The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. shall not fear you, O God. We bow before you today. We ask in every life present in this place, in every life join us over the internet, my Father, that you do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. Let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' matchless name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today, we are in part four of a series we started last week. Um, last week, we had a guest uh, minister, Dr. Keo Nuzo, and he preached part one, part two, part three. <laughs> last week, and today we will continue with part four. If you missed last week, or you, you missed, you attended one of the services, I want to encourage you to get the, um, the, the messages at a, on the resource stand, or you download it for free on the internet, and um, it, 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 it was totally 
amazing, totally amazing. Today we are in part four of Christmas is for giving. And today we are looking at forgiving. I was saying forgiving. Forgive. The word forgive is a two-part word. For and give. Now, to give is to bestow upon, to, to give, to offer, you know. And for means two things primarily. The for there means completely. Completely. And it can also be used, in, in particularly when the E is added to the for, as before and. That is, um, in advance. So to forgive is to completely bestow upon in advance. To forgive someone is to, is to completely write off a debt. It's not that you write off 90% of the debt. It's not that they're holding you 100 naira and you say, okay, okay, just bring 20 naira. Don't worry, I forgive you. No, to forgive is to completely write off. And the in advance there brings something very interesting to even how Jesus forgives because it's, it's in advance before while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And forgave us our sins. So, forgiveness is a decision that you make. It's a decision that I make. And it is not a feeling. The feeling follows the decision. Forgiveness is a decision. And once that decision is made, eventually it stops the feeling of anger and resentment. It is the decision that stops the feeling. And many times we get it confused because we get it twisted and we think that it is, we, we, uh, why am I struggling to forgive this person? Because I still feel bad. I still feel angry. Why am I struggling to forgive this person? Because I still feel resentful. But your feeling is not your forgiveness. Your forgiveness is your decision. When you decide to forgive and you stick to that decision, your feelings will follow. Your feelings will follow. And the concept of forgiveness is, is something that is, is, um, is common in, in, in the different methods of worship. I mean, the different ways of worship. You know, uh, you can call them religion. How many people know that Christianity is not a religion? It is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is, is, is it's a way of life, if you will. If, you, if it is not a religion... Jesus did not come to start a religion. In fact, there was an established religion, Judaism. Jesus came to start a movement. He said, I will build my church. The word church there, as you have been taught, is ecclesia. It means an assembly. He says, I will build my assembly. I will build my people. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church of God is not a religion. Church is not a, it's not, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, if you will, with God. But let's just look at the different forms of worship. And the concept of forgiveness is not strange to the different forms of worship. In, in Judaism, for instance, 
you are not, you are encouraged to forgive. Remember say encouraged. You are encouraged to forgive, but you are not required to forgive in Judaism. In fact, in Judaism, an eye for an eye. Do me, I do you. God, no. <laughs> that, is the, that is the foundation of Judaism. A tooth for a tooth. You give me a punch, I, I just set your face. Let me land my punch back. You mistakenly drive your car and you killed my fowl, my chicken. No problem. Just position your chicken. And I will just drive over it. Justice was instant. Justice was swift. Everybody was gentle. Because you beat my child. No problem. Just bring your child and I will whack his bum bum. And I... For an eye. And if you look at the other different types of religion also, you know, in Islam, you know, they struggle. Of course, there are different types in Islam, actually. But primarily, they struggle with the concept of forgiveness. I, I, I have a friend that says um, he's saved. He's pastoring now in Finland. He was Muslim. When he got saved, he was witnessing to his brother and his brother said to him, he was sharing with me, and his brother said to him that, I don't understand this thing about this your God, this your newfound God. So the brother said, if I, if I kill someone, let's say I, 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 I killed people before, then I come and I ask your God to forgive me. Will he forgive me? And my friend says, yes, he will forgive me. And that guy says, I have a problem with that. He says, I can't follow that God because well, so what will happen to the families of those people? How can you say we forgive me? It should punish me. You know, and so the concept of forgiveness is, is not something that is universal. And sometimes we take it for granted as, as Christians. If you look at the other f- different forms of, of religion, if you look at Hinduism, if you look at um, um, even the, the New Age religion, all of them agree to what they call karma, the concept of karma, which is the universe will repay you. If, in other words, it still boils down to an eye for an eye. But Jesus came and just turned the thing upside down and just messed up the whole concept. In Matthew chapter 5, from verse 38, Jesus says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye. For an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus says that this is, this is the law. This is what has been established. He says, but I say, I've come to mess it up. I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, Jesus says you should what? Turn the other. Do you still want to follow Jesus? He says, offer the other cheek also. He says, and it goes on. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. 
and pray for those that persecute you. And you see, if you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to love. If you really, really want to follow, follow Jesus, you have to love. The same thing with, I mean, with Islam. It's written. It's there, black and white. If you really, really, the people say Islam is a religion of peace. I'm like, you're not reading your, your, your Quran very well. If you really, really want to follow Muhammad, you have to fight jihad. So, Pastor, you're saying the terrorists, they are, they, they are right. They are the right Muslims, really. So, these other ones, they are not following Muhammad. Same thing. There are Christians that will not forgive. Don't you know that? There are Christians that are holding people in forgiveness. There are Christians that are, there are family members they, they refuse to talk to. There are Christians that there are people in church that they will not greet or they will greet some more than the other. You know why? They, they, they refuse to forgive. But if you want to follow Jesus, you have to forgive. Hallelujah. If you really want to follow Jesus, you have to love. If you really want, because Christmas is forgiving. Jesus came so that we can be reconciled with God as you will see later on. Jesus, that is the purpose of Christmas. It is the purpose of Christmas. And we learned last week, Tawadunza was teaching us, that you, you cannot love Without humility. The prerequisite to loving is humility. You cannot love without humility. Do you remember him saying that? He says you cannot love, and that is so profound. I, I took that word home and I was chewing on it and chewing on it and kind of expanded it. You cannot love without humility. But guess what? You cannot forgive without love. You cannot love without humility. You cannot forgive without love. But guess what? You cannot have peace without forgiving, forgiveness. Do you want peace? You cannot have peace without forgiveness. The reason your life is, is in turmoil, you have, you're not at peace, you're always tossing up and down, is because you can't have peace without forgiveness. There are people you refuse to really forgive from, their, from your heart. You can't have peace. And so I came up with this chart. You know, it's, it's like a chain. And guess what? And you can't not have humility without peace. So that's how it goes. You can't have love without humility. You can't have forgiveness without love. You can't have peace without forgiveness. And guess what? You can't have humility without peace. So you, you cannot, if you, if you want to have love, you must have humility. You cannot love, even if you are married. Have you noticed? The, the arrogant person cannot really love the, the spouse. You cannot love without humility. For you to love someone, you have to be humble. You have to, you have to be humble. Also, you cannot forgive without loving. For you to really forgive someone, you must love from your heart. Also, you, you cannot have peace without forgiveness. For you to have peace, you must forgive. And also, you cannot really be humble without having peace because it is the state of your heart that is peaceful that births humility. And it goes on and on. So the question is, 
Where do we start from? Can you put up the, the chart again? Where do you start from? We learned, we discovered this yesterday. Where do we start from? Where do we start from in humility? Do we try to be humble so that we can love and forgive? Do we try to love so that we can forgive and have peace and have humility? Do we try to forgive then so that we can have peace and have humility? Should we have to, I mean, where do we enter this chain? And Christmas brings to us where to enter this chain. And that is peace. The entrance is peace. The entrance, I'll show you, is peace. In Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Luke 2, 13. It says, he's talking about Jesus when he, came, when he was born. And the angels came to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus came to bring peace on earth. So for there to be peace, for once there is peace, there can be humility. Once there is humility, there can be love. Once there is love, there can be forgiveness. And once there is forgiveness, there can be peace. And it all starts with Jesus, if you will. And that is the gift of Christmas. Christmas is forgiving. That is the gift of Christmas. To forgive is to give the gift of peace. Really. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So, and I'm praying that everywhere, everyone in this place that has chaos in their lives, that the peace of God will reign in the mighty name of Jesus. Every home that is filled with chaos, that the peace of God will take control. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the peace of God is so, so amazing. Why? Because it comes with Christ. And which is why we celebrate Christmas. We, when we celebrate Christmas, like Dr. Onuzo told us, we are not celebrating a birthday. When we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating a birth. It's huge significance, huge difference. When we celebrate Christmas, we're not celebrating a birthday. We're not saying, oh, it's Jesus' birthday. No, 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 no. We are celebrating Christmas because we are like, at least the world recognizes that somebody came on earth called Jesus. And we are celebrating Christ our Savior. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So we are not celebrating a birthday, we are celebrating a birth. We are celebrating a person. We are celebrating our King. And our God. And when we receive this gift from God, which is Jesus Christ, we have threefold peace. We have peace with God. We have peace within, with ourselves. Then we have peace with other people. When, you, when we receive this gift of peace, this gift of Christmas, this Christmas that is forgiven, we have peace with God. We have peace with ourselves. We have peace with other people. When, when we haven't received this gift, we haven't, fully we haven't fully embraced it, we struggle with our peace with God. We struggle to have peace with ourselves. We are not at peace with ourselves. We don't love ourselves. We don't like ourselves. We, don't, we, we are just in chaos. And of course, 
we are not at peace with people. So when we receive the gift of Christmas, God's gift for us, number one, we have peace with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Ephesians 2, 12. We have peace with God. 12 all the way. He says, in those days, you were living apart from God, from Christ. You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God has made to them. You lived in the world without God and without hope. It says, but now, I was about now. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought what? Has brought peace to us. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Christ himself so, I used to be far from God. Now, I am near to God. I used to be running from God. Now, I am running to God. I used to be hiding from God. Now, I am seeking out God. I used to be angry with God. Now, I am in love with God. Because I have peace with God. It's a beautiful thing to have peace with God. When you have peace with God, in fact, it's, it's so amazing because you, you can walk, you can worship freely, you can live freely. You, you are not afraid of anything. You are not even afraid of the most dreadful thing to any human being. You know the most dreadful thing to any human being? Death. Most human beings, particularly those without Christ. You are not even afraid of, of death. Why? Because why are you not afraid of death? You are not afraid of death because you know who you will see. Hallelujah. You know who you will see. You, you, if you are afraid of death, you, don't, you are not sure who you will see. You are not sure what will show up. You are not sure what's going to happen. But when you are afraid of death, when you are at peace with God, you know that your life is secure. And that is so, so beautiful. I said to people, listen, rapture, you know, one of the things I've said to the Lord is that, you know, I love to be around when rapture happens. Don't you want to have that feeling? Don't you want to, shh, we are just in the skies, you know? <laughs> it's just beautiful. I, I, I mean, if, if, if Jesus starts, I want to be around when rapture happens and experience the thrill. Do you know that God is a God of, you know, you, you read God, understand God well, God likes ethesis. Look at, look at, why, why did, look at rapture for instance. Why did all that drama? Why did just close our eyes and just wake up in heaven? Why, you be caught up in heaven and everybody just be, I mean, Jesus, why did you have to do that? Because it's fun. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> it's more fun to me than just sleeping and waking up. The scripture says the dead in Christ will rise first. So, even if I die, I'm going to be raptured anyway. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm not going to miss it for anything. 
And I say to folks that, you know, if, if, if I haven't gone, that rapture will not finish. Why? Because, I mean, some people say, like, Pastor, why are you so sure? What if? I said, don't you understand? Jesus has come to break down the wall between me and God already. I have peace with God. I'm like, oh, Pastor, what if there's just one sin, just one teeny bit of sin that you are not aware of? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But, but what if you make just one mistake? Are you not human? What if you, what, can you be so sure? Listen, I say to folks, who has more to lose? Jesus came to die. He died for me. If I don't make heaven, who has more to lose? Think about it. So he will ensure that I make it. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. That's how I see these things. And that's how they are. Why? Because he came to broker our peace. Look, you, you shouldn't be living in fear. God, you, ha- you should have peace with God. You should, shouldn't be living in fear of death. So, you, you sleep, you don't wake so, so bloody what? I know where I'm going. <sighs> when my spiritual father was dying, I, I've told the people this story. I was with him for a bit. And the wife was, was telling me later on, he had begun to see glimpses of heaven. You know, when you see that place, you don't want to come back. Then, Pastor Vinkbe, you, you know her now, she has been here. So she called Pastor Deboe at the time, and she said, she told Pastor Deboe, let's go, he's, he's saying things. So, so Pastor Deboe said, give him the phone. They gave Pastor Scott the phone. I said, that's thing you are seeing. Don't go. But where? 24 hours later, he's gone. You see, it's only if you don't know where you are going. That's when you'll be, you know. And if you are not sure, you can be sure today. You can make peace with God today. Heaven is real. When, you, when, you get, to, when we get to heaven, we, we, you know, I said mean, at the first service yesterday that you are going to have three surprises when you get to heaven. says, Pastor, three surprises when you get to heaven. Three surprises take you to the bank. It's going to happen when you get to heaven. Number one surprise is that I am here. I made it. That will be the surprise of your life. Why? Because, because no matter how sure you think you are, heaven is more beautiful than you can ever imagine. So when you even make it, you are shocked. It must just be the grace of God. As the number one, Surprise. Number two surprise when you get to heaven is that you will see people that you think should not be in heaven. Do you know that the fact that you don't like somebody doesn't mean God doesn't like them? Have have, have you noticed? In fact, God has a way of blessing people you don't like. 
Have you kind of noticed that? <laughs> so you'll be shocked at the people you see in heaven. And I was, I was saying yesterday that we may just be hearing from one corner. Water. He not get any me. Is it, fella? <laughs> Wait till you find out this side. <laughs> Shoot the, I'm not saying fella is in heaven. <laughs> I'm just saying that you, it may be, you don't know. You may, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at the people you see in heaven. You know number three shock, the third shock, you'll be shocked at the people you won't see in heaven. There are people you will think they are reverend doctor, bishop, archbishop. I'm not saying all of, all of them are evil. I'm just saying some of them will make it. Unfortunately. There are people that are, maybe they are the, they are the head ushers. Maybe. All, all our ushers are going to heaven. <laughs> they are the people that, they have a, I mean, there's nothing wrong with serving God. We should serve God. I'm, also, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to make it by the grace of God. The point is this. There are people that you would think this one is your banker, but you don't know what they are doing underground. They are they draw near to God with their mouths, but their hearts is far from God. And he that sees the heart of all men will reward everybody accordingly. So when you get to heaven, be shocked at the people you won't see. <laughs> we have peace with God. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have been made right. We have already been made right. There's nothing more you can do to be made right. You are, I mean, if you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, the only thing you can do is to come to Christ to be made right. In God's sight, how? By faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Not because of what he will do, because of what he has, he has done. And Jesus, the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice is that the sacrifice is so complete that it's not only the human soul and the human lives that was redeemed and was reconciled with God. He reconciled everything else in heaven and earth. And we see that in Colossians 1.20. It says, and through him, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. Everything. He made peace. With how many things? With everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace with everything. So you have, why should you be running from God? Jesus has already made peace on your behalf. Why should you be running from God? Why shouldn't you want to draw closer to God? I pray that if you don't have peace with God, that today you will secure your peace with God in the mighty name of Jesus. When we accept the gift of Christmas, we have peace with God. Number two, we have peace with ourselves. Having peace with God births peace within us. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest 
commandment. Which of these commandments is the greatest? It was a trick question, but Jesus answered them brilliantly. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. Since this is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. So there are two firsts. There are two greatest commandments. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And hidden there is the mystery of peace with self. If you don't have peace with yourself, you can't have peace with your neighbor. If you don't love yourself in God, you can't love your... Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. So you, you, when you come to God, you have peace with God. So God is saying, you cannot love the God that you cannot see if you don't love the man that you can see. How can you love the God that you cannot see when you don't love the man that you can see? But how can you love the man that you can see when you don't love yourself that you live with? So you can't even begin to love God if you don't love the people around you. But you can't even begin to love people around you if you don't love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't like what you see. How, how can you bring health into a relationship? You look at yourself in the mirror, you just see crap. How can you bring life into your relationship with your spouse? You cannot because you cannot give what you don't have. You look at yourself in the mirror, you don't like what you see. So, Pastor, what are you saying? You want us to be carnal? <laughs> no. God made you. And everything about you is good. Say amen. And some of you say, Pastor, are you sure? <laughs> but, but it's the truth. It's the word of God. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you should like what you see. You should like, when you are at peace with yourself, then you can bring peace into your relationship with your spouse. Into all your relationships will, will be peaceful. Why? Because out of your life will flow, we flow peace. So someone can look at himself in the mirror or herself in the mirror and, and say, oh, how come my hair is not like um, that person's hair? Come on, your hair is your hair. It cannot be. And you just, just love it. I mean, because it's, it's guess what? It, it's amazing what people struggle with. Just love yourself. One man can look at the mirror and says, okay, awesome. <laughs> One man can look at the mirror and say, oh, for example, I'm thinking of an example. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at this air. This head is so shiny. Another person can look at the mirror and say that, Oh, why am I so bald? You are looking at the same thing. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give ladies examples. <laughs> That's why I'm staying with the guys. Guys can handle it better. 
a guy can look at himself in the mirror and, and, and say, and say, ah, sit there, be you know, and just laugh. But another guy can look at himself in the mirror and just keep cursing his father. If not for him, I won't have this beer, beer. You can't bring to the table what you don't have. Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in time of trouble. So we will not fear. We will not fear when the earthquake comes. And the mountain crumble in the sea. It says, let the ocean roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the water surge. We will still be at peace. You know why? God is our refuge and strength. He's our refuge and strength. So, so regardless of what I have or what I don't have, I'm at peace. Why? Because God is my refuge and strength. Regardless of what it is, I seem to have acquired or not acquired, attained or lost. God is my refuge and strength. Regardless of what they say about me or what they don't say about me, God is my refuge and strength. When you are at peace with God, in fact, one of the best things you can do to yourself is to be at peace with God and be at peace with yourself. Be at peace with your spouse, your marriage. Some people just want, they want to change their spouse. A lady said to me, Pastor, my husband is too slim. I need some, I need, I prefer the, the, robust, you know. Why? Because I, I, I don't have anything to hold. <laughs> Come on. Come on. When you open the package, we, 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 we say, when you get married and you open the package, whatever you see is your, that's your portion for the rest of your life. Just, <laughs> just say, this is my, you, your peace will just come. <sighs> that's how it works. That's how it works. People have millions of dollars and kill themselves under the knife because they want to remove some flesh here. They want to add some flesh there. <laughs> the pastor, I want my wife to have hips. I'm like, what? So I said, madam, madam, stand up, stand up. I said, turn around, turn around. I said, this woman is beautiful. I said, pastor, you think so? I said, yes. I said, okay, since you said so, you're a spiritual man, I believe you. 
<laughs> we won't go for it again. The, the point is this. You have to be at peace with yourself. And the gift of Christmas is the gift of peace. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Because when you receive the gifts, you accept that you are thoroughly loved by God and you are, you are at peace. You are not have any pressure to perform. I mean, that is why a lot of people are just doing some, so many crazy things. Why? Because they are under pressure to perform. They are under, pre- they, they are under pressure to please. They are under pressure to perform. And, and that is how the world is wired. The world is wired like that. But with God, it's not like that. Jesus has already made peace with you, for you with God. Jesus has already made you right with God. The world is like that. You have to perform. That's the bane of capitalism. You have to perform. When I was in paid employment, one of the, the um, mantra of the organization that I used to work for, I don't, it wasn't like it was official, but, you know, our bosses, you know, drilled it into us and we drilled it into our teams, I mean, and all that. And the mantra was, there is no excuse for non-performance. No excuse. So, the software is not working. There's, there are bugs there. We need to deliver this software by this date, it must be delivered. If you, if you like work 20 hours a day, nobody cares. It must be delivered. No excuse for non-performance. And guess what? If you don't perform, after what happens, you get fired. That's how the world works. Even if you are the special one. Don't really get that. Don't worry, you get to next Sunday. <laughs> Number three. I'm going on very quickly. Number one, if if you are if you if you if you receive the gift of God, sometimes ask me, what's the special one? <laughs> Don't worry. If you ask your husband, if you receive the gift of God, the gift of Christmas, you have peace with God. Number one. Number two, you have peace with self. And inevitably, number three, you will have peace with others. You have peace with others. Why? Because you cannot give what you don't have. And what you have will flow from you. Peaceful people bring peace into their relationships. Chaotic people bring chaos into their relationships. People that are not at peace with themselves always bring chaos into their relationships. You deal with five people. And as a pastor, you know, I, I, I talk to people formally, informally. I talk to children. I talk to, you know, I just, you know. And you have problem with person A, person B, person C, person D, person C. And they are all saying the same thing. And you say, oh, pastor, go seize my heart. Yes, very chaotic. What you are is what you bring. You cannot bring what you don't have. If you, if you do, it will be plastic. It will not be sustainable. After a while, who you are will eventually come out. So you have to sort out yourself. Hurting people hurts people. Hurting people always hurts people. 
loving people love people. So you cannot love God that you cannot see if you don't love the man that you can see. And you cannot love the man that you can see if you don't love yourself that you live with. You cannot. And when we talk about being at peace with others, I used to throw in a caveat there. We are not talking about keeping peace. We are talking about making peace. There's a huge difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Huge difference. So there's a difference between correction and revenge. Huge difference. Correction is different from revenge. Thank you. Correcting a wrong is different from taking revenge. It's different. It's different. It was, um, a, a, a teenager and a mom came for a trial. No trial? And that day we were talking about forgiveness. And pastor was talking about forgiveness a lot. Meanwhile, before they came to, 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 to trial, the teenage girl has done something very naughty and the mother has said, I don't know what the punishment was, but let me just say, 25 strokes of the cane. You hold the bed and I whack you. 25 strokes. And, you know, so the, just they co- let's come back to, from church and you take your strokes. Then you go to bed. And in church, pastor was talking about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And the teenage girl was happy. So when he got into the car and he gets to the mom, <laughs> you heard the sermon today, didn't you? <laughs> pastor says we should forgive each other. I need to forgive you, mom, and you need to forgive me. And mom says, you forgive me. What have I done? You have done a lot of bad things to me, and I'm forgiving you. So you have to forgive me. And the mom says, not only have I forgiven you, you are still going to chop your strokes. (laughs) Why? Because the teenage girl was confusing correction with revenge. Correction. Correcting a wrong is different from taking revenge. It's different. In fact, that's what God says to us in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 from verse 5. He says that when, and, and, and have you forgotten the encouragement that God spoke to you as children when he said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts. Does God discipline us? God punishes his children? Yes. You know, some people don't understand this part of, of, of God. They think God is just a father Christmas. God deals with his children. He says, as you endure divine disciplines, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God disciplines you as he does all his children it means that you are if he doesn't discipline you rather as he does all his children it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really so one of the proof that you're a child of God is show me your scars I said to folks I don't trust people that don't have scars people that don't have scars you worked with God for so long. I want to see your scars. You mean, I've been, uh, God has never, uh, I'll keep you at arm's length. But if you show me your scars, why? Because if I open my back, you will see 
God has given me a few times. And it's a sign of love. The sign of what? Of love. So, your relationships must be corrected. You cannot go from here and, and not deal with issues you need to deal with. Say, no, pastor says we should forgive. And yes, forgive. In fact, you should forgive before you correct. For your relationship to thrive, forgiveness should happen before correction. If you try to correct before forgiving, you are going to destroy many things. In fact, hold back correction until you are forgiven from your heart. That's what David was saying in Psalm 6 verse 1. He says, God, don't chastise me in your heart displeasure. Don't beat me when you are angry. Deal with the anger before you start the correction. You want to correct your spouse? Forgive first. Deal with the issue. Forgive before you correct. You want to correct your children? Forgive. Deal with the issue. Let it go. But still correct why? Because no relationship can grow without correction. And correction is uncomfortable. Correction is very uncomfortable. But no relationship can grow without correction. So we, we saw from the definition of forgive that forgiveness is done in advance by the Lord. He says, every sin against the Son of Man shall be forgiven. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us, he died for us. And God wants you to forgive people. There may be people here that may have hurt you, but there could be people that are closest to you. Obviously, it's people that are closest to you that hurt you the most. This Christmas, God is reminding you that Christmas is forgiving. Christmas is forgiving. And you may be saying, Pastor, how can I forgive when I'm not even humble? How can I receive humility when I don't even have peace? I don't have peace with God. I don't have peace with myself, Pastor. How can I have peace with God? How can I... Start running to God instead of running from God. How can I start seeking God instead of hiding from Him? How can I start loving Him instead of being angry at Him? How can I have peace with God? Let's bow our hearts, let's bow our heads. If that is the cry of your heart, you are saying, Pastor, I want to make peace with God. I want to pray with you. God has asked me to pray with you. That's my job. I don't need you to come forward wherever you are seated, wherever you are seated, in the privacy of your seat. Let's all focus on Jesus. They're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I need to make peace with God. Put up your hand now. And I'll, I need to know you are there. And I'll pray with you. God bless you. Put up your hand, put up your hand well over your head. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, sir. God bless you. My God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you over there. I need to I need to make peace with God. That is me. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. They're gonna slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand and cry to God. I need to make peace with God. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up until you get a card. God bless you. 
Once you have the card, you can put down the hand. God bless you, right there. God bless you. Let's of us, let's just talk to God. Let's just say to the to the Lord. Some of us, some that we don't have peace with God, but we've not fully embraced it. Let's fully embrace the peace of God, the love of God. Even right now, some of us we need to allow God's peace. To bring peace into our own hearts. We are conflicted. Let us say, Lord, I release my heart to you, Lord. I receive your peace in my heart. Every conflict, let it come to an end. Let your peace reign in my heart. And by extension, let your peace flow into all my relationships, O oh God of heaven. Let's talk to God. Father, we, we thank you for everyone that is taking this step and making peace with you. Your word says we should draw near to you and you will draw near to us. Lord, they've drawn near to you today. Lord, we ask that you draw near to them. Change these lives. Take them higher still and let your name be glorified. Father, we pray for everyone in this place, Lord. Those of us that have not fully embraced you, we've embraced you, but we've not fully embraced you. The grace to fully embrace you, give unto us, that your peace will reign in our lives, and by extension, it will flow into our relationships. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed.